0: Time flies. Time flies, doesn't it? And so I want to make sure we give enough time to uh, praying at the end as well. So forgive me for interrupting your chats. We're going to be looking at a passage that we looked at last week and uh, looking at it from a uh, slightly different uh, perspective. So if you want to look at uh, Acts chapter chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. And uh, it will come up on the screen as well. But I encourage you to have it in your hands. This is, this is our authority, ladies and gentlemen. This is what we stand upon. So I want to encourage you uh, to get yourself familiar with this book. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. You Galileans, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. Let's pray. Lord we thank you for your word, we thank you that we stand upon it, that it is life-giving and we ask that your, your spirit would breathe life to these words into our hearts. Challenge us as a church and as people, children of yours. We ask this in your name, Amen. I absolutely love travelling, I love going to new places. Uh, and you talk to a lot of people, and they uh, many of them will say, oh, I love traveling. But I, I think what I've discovered is that I don't really love traveling. I love arriving. I love being somewhere. The traveling bit, I could skip. The arriving, I love. And particularly with uh, small children, it just takes forever to get anywhere. Uh, a, a few years ago, we were traveling, and we had our four kids, and uh, and um, we were traveling to the to the states to see uh, family over there, and um, and when we were checking into the airport, um, we counted up our various bits of luggage and paraphernalia, and we had seventeen pieces of luggage with two adults supposedly meant to be keeping charge of that, plus our four children, because. When we go over to the States, uh, we, we like to maximize the amount of luggage that we can take over. And so we really do. And when you've got little children, you can take all kinds of things, and it doesn't count. Like a pushchair, and like a, a car seat, and all the, thing, all the other things that you need. So 17 pieces of luggage. And so we got in uh, to, the, to the place where you check your luggage in, and, and the guy kind of said, well, how many pieces do you literally count? This? I mean, we're that family when you get to the airport. You think, well, I'm going to go into this one over here. Like, I don't want to go any And you're, we're also that family that you're like, please don't let us sit next to them. Please don't let us sit next to them. I just want to enjoy my movie and have a gin and tonic. That's all I want. And you're like, oh, gosh, we're next to them. Okay, fine. We were always that family and always, still are that family. Uh, and... um and so when we were checking in uh, the luggage, the guy said, how many bits of luggage do you have? And he kind of looked perplexed at the sheer amount of luggage we had. And we'd done the maths, and we'd like to the gram measured how much we could take on in each big piece of luggage and everything. Uh, and, and anyway, he said, you can't take that many. He said, we can because a pushchair does count. doesn't count. Uh, and a, and a car seat doesn't count, and all these things, and all the kids have their little backpacks like this, and kind of, uh, and, um, and eventually, uh, he, he went away, and about, literally about 20 minutes later, he comes back and says, it's all sorted, don't worry about it. It's like, great, no problem at all. And uh, as we were, and this was coming back from the States, uh, as we were coming back, we, we went through this process, and then uh, one of the things they said to us, uh, which is, we haven't given you a seat, you have to get it when you get to the departure lounge. Again, I hate because it's just a scrum and everyone's fighting. And oh. and, and so I got, made my way through the scrum and, and presented all 18 passports, or however many we got now, um, it, before the, the person at the departure lounge. And this worried look appeared over the lady's face. And I was like, "Well, you're worried. I'm now worried." Now the trouble is, is that I have a guilty conscience. No matter if someone looks worried because of something I've done, I automatically think I'm guilty about something. So, and um, and there's this kind of worried look, and then she consults with someone, and they're not telling us anything. Susan, and the kids are off in one corner. It's just me and these seven, six passports. I should really know how many that is. Six passports. Uh, and we kind of, and she just had this worried look, and she talks to her colleague and. She had a worried look, and they are all having a worried look. And I could see them setting two passports aside. I was thinking, oh, no. Knowing that we were about to fly, and we had to get home. Anyway, setting two, 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 two passports aside. And after 10 minutes of, like, no explanation at all, and just worried looks and phone calls, I overhear the words on, on the phone as she's kind of fishing through everything. She, I just overheard the words, do not fly. And I was like, do not fly that's what they say to people who are like criminals like and I was literally I went through we'd been over there about three weeks and I literally went through everything I'd possibly done to think how could I have broken the law because I just automatically thought I, I, I must have done something I must have been caught speeding and didn't know it or, or something and it's you know some things are just not outside the realms of possibility and, and I was just thinking and for like do not fly and there's this worried 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 like Anyway, it transpired that our youngest child had been checked in twice. Uh, one on, uh, on my passport because he was on the lap uh, and, and on, on my wife's passport uh, because the guy at the front desk tried to get all our luggage in and originally the 17 pieces of luggage. And so the only way he could think to do that was to create another child or to duplicate the child. So we had do not fly on there. So anyway, we got, we're here now, so it's all right. Hey. Um, but do you know what? I'm not a fan of traveling. I'm just, I love the destination. I'm not a fan of traveling. And I think uh, for us as a church, we've been hearing a little bit about, you know, Colin and Natalie and the, and the family joining us here. We've been feeling for a while that God is gathering people, not just people joining the staff team, but God is gathering people. Even as I look out now, there are faces that I'm, I, I can see even here uh, this morning that I know are are. are are relatively new to this congregation but feel like this is home this is a place to call home and I really believe that God has been calling people gathering people uh, for a purpose And, and the sense that we've been having as a leadership team for the last few months is that purpose is for us to be sent We are gathered so that we are sent. And last week we began this series in Acts looking at what it is for us to be sent. And we're going to be looking through Acts as a church until uh, we go on our church holiday at Focus. We're going to be taking the next few weeks to look at that, to prepare us for where he is sending us. If we believe that he is is doing some work in gathering people to send us, then we need to do some preparatory work in what that looks like. And I think the reality is we naturally prefer the destination than we do the traveling. But the nature is of being sent is that that is the traveling bit. It's the uncomfortable bit. But when we land somewhere, when we arrive somewhere, that's the bit that feels most comfortable. And I think so often as a church we can get caught in to this mindset that we want to just arrive and everything's comfortable. And we want our lives to be comfortable and tied up with a nice little bow and everything's in order just as it should be. And yet the purpose of the church and the purpose for you and I are to be people that are sent, that go out. And that in its very nature is uncomfortable. And so last week we looked at what the ascension, Jesus ascending into heaven, it was ascension day last week, we looked at that on Sunday to look, what does that actually mean for us to be people who are sent? Because in order for us to be sent, Jesus needed to ascend. He ascended so we could be sended. Just bear with me, okay? The grammar's not perfect, but you'll remember it. Right, you pedants, I know who you are, you'll come up to me later. And so we looked for us to be sent, he needed to ascend so that we could be sent and we could do the things that he has called us to do. And the ascension teaches us four things about how we can live. And I encourage you to download last week's talk about what that looks like. But I'm going to take the same four points and instead of applying them to us as individuals, I'm going to apply them to us as a church. What the ascension means for us to be sent people is firstly that we are to, be, to live freely in the authority of Jesus to live freely in the authority of Jesus. I'm hoping the yes, there it is, to live freely in the authority of Jesus. When Jesus ascended into heaven, remember what we talked about last week, that Jesus is now sat at the right hand of the Father. In other words, he has the ear of God the Father. He has authority. And in fact, at the end of Matthew's gospel, he sends his disciples and says, and I... Uh, 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 all authority and power has been given to me and so I send you. The, the, the way that we are sent is we are sent in the authority of Jesus. And that means that as we sense that God might be doing something new with us as a church, as new people are joining the team, as new people join our congregation, the, the, con- the question that we need to be asking ourselves is, Jesus, where are you sending us? What authority have you given us to go into the places that you are sending us into? And that requires us to be obedient, knowing that wherever he calls us to go, we go in his name and his authority. And it's so liberating to know that when we are sent, we are sent with his authority. It's a liberating thing. And so we go because he has sent us. We go with His authority. But part of that is that we need to go to the places where we need we need to acknowledge our need of Him. If we're in the comfortable places, if we're in the destination, uh, just sitting back at, at the side of the pool drinking pina coladas, then we're kind of chilled out. We're not worried too much. But if we're in the sense place you're in the place where things can be stressful or under pressure or you think you might get arrested, maybe not that. But that, that, that sense in which, that, that uncertain place, then you are more aware of your need of Jesus. And in that place, it's there that he gives us his authority. And it means too that we must value prayer. I, if you want to grow in prayer, you need to place yourself in the uncomfortable places. I don't think I grow in prayer when I'm sit back and life is easy. We talk about, I wish I was better at prayer. I wish I was better at prayer. But you know what, John? In order for you to get better at prayer, John, you need to actually place yourself in the uncomfortable places, in the places of being sent, not in the places of destination. So we're to be that kind of community that live freely in the authority of Jesus. That means we as a community need to value prayer. To to show up to the prayer meetings on Wednesday mornings. To to genuinely commit to praying and fasting on the first Wednesday of every month at least. To do that together as a church. Secondly, we're to be a community that lives authentically in the humanity of Jesus. Remember last week we talked about how the ascension is of Jesus in bodily form being raised into the new heaven and the new earth. Like, it blows our mind from a kind of metaphysical perspective, but the reality is, is that he didn't vaporize, he didn't become a spiritual kind of force, he was ascended in bodily form into the heavenlies, which means that humanity is represented in the heart of the heavenlies. So when he ascends, that is what's going on. And what that means for us as a church is that we know that we are simply human beings, but human beings are at the very heart of his purpose for our world. And there are many, many reasons why we would give excuses for why we don't want to be sent. Oh, I'm not good enough. I don't have the skills. That feels too scary for me. That's not for me. And what it boils down to essentially is that all the reasons we give for not being sent is about our own awareness of our own humanity because we are aware that we are not perfect, none of us are. And so we give all these excuses as if other people have got it right as well. And so that means as a a church, we need to embrace the fact that we are going to be people that operate out of our comfort zone and therefore more aware of our brokenness because no one is gonna get it right. You may or may not think this, but there are regular moments in my week when I think I cannot do the job I feel God has called me to do. Regular. And I'm not looking for nice emails tomorrow morning. Although if you want to send them, you can. Uh, I'm not looking for kind of pats on the back as we leave church today. I'm just being honest. There are regular times when I wake up and think, gosh, this is above. This is, I can't do this. This is not, I, I, I'm out of my comfort zone. I don't know what to do and I don't know what to say. And so often God is all he's asking us to do is not have our list of qualifications, but to simply to show up, to be present so that he can be present with us. So his light shines through us. And so for us to be a church that lives authentically in the humanity of Jesus, it means that we need to be aware that there is going to be brokenness on display a bit more obviously. If we're going to be a sent community, then we must recognize that we're all not going to be perfect, and that's going to be interesting but acknowledging that we are all made in the image of God, but with a shared awareness of our brokenness, which allows for the redemption of God. I love this line from the movie Juno. It talks about um, uh, Junebug, rather. Uh, The the movie, a different movie, Uh, where, where where, where it says, God loves you so much, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. He loves you just as you are, but He loves you too much to let you stay that way. That we are to be a community that is redemptive. Where there are no superstars, that there's no room for pride because we're all pushing ourselves out into the places where it's uncomfortable. And it means living with difference. It means being a community that actually embraces difference. That I don't want us to become a homogenous community. And so we need to be, uh, live lives reflecting authentically the humanity of Jesus. Thirdly, we need to be a community that lives solely for the mission of Jesus. The reason that we exist and the purpose of the ascension was to place in the disciples' hands the reality is Jesus ain't here as much, uh, in the same way as he was to do what he was doing and so it's now up to you and I. He places the continuation of his mission, remember that the first verse of Acts says, Uh, In my former book, Theophilus, I began, I, I, I wrote about the things that Jesus began to do. In other words, there's an expectation that he will continue to do his work, but guess what? He's there, we are here, we are his hands and feet, but empowered by him and led by him. But it requires us to buy into that. And so that is what our lives are about. Our lives are not about a career path. Our lives are not about a nice house with a bit of grass at the back for the kids to play in. Our lives are not about being comfortable. Our lives are not about all these things that we're told lives are about. And it's so countercultural that it feels so so difficult for us to get that into our heads. And we need to be ready to be people that are sent, not landing in a destination at the age of 25 for the rest of our years to to roll out. And that's the reason we exist. The reason we exist is for the purpose of those outside the walls of this church. I love this church. I love worshipping with you guys. I love being part of uh, the community here. I love it when you pray for me. I love being able to pray for others. I love this church, but I don't want it to stay the same. And that feels like a tension. Because in order for us to live solely for the mission of Jesus, that requires there are going to be people that are added to our number who are not like us, who are different from us, who say things that we're like, oh gosh, that's difficult, who in kids' church, they might teach our kids difficult words, naughty words, and they come home with a new vocabulary. And that's okay too. Because when we are sent, we have to be people that embrace The fact that we our main purpose is not to put buffers of comfort around ourselves, but to place ourselves in the place of discomfort. And so it would be easy to enjoy this season. As this congregation has grown, those of you who have been around the last few months and years, this congregation has grown, the evening congregation similarly. And it would be easy just to rest on our laurels and say, this is it now. This is what, oh, this is a nice number, isn't it? This is what we're about. But there is... Uh, according to the latest, latest statistics, 95% of people outside the walls of this church who don't know anything about Jesus. We have to be solely about the mission of Jesus, and it's in our hands. And finally, we need to be people and uh, a church that lives expectantly for the presence of Jesus. You know, these disciples, yes, the ascension meant that they could be sent, but they were sent first to a place where they would wait and they would wait for the Spirit of God to empower them to do the thing that they were sent to do. That's what we'll celebrate next next week. Celebrate that in Acts 2, the Pentecost moment. But where we lay down our own expectations of what life is about, and our only expectation is that Jesus shapes our destination, and that it's his purposes and his Spirit that leads us. And if we give him space, He will show up. It's a bit like what Colin was just saying a moment ago. When we repent and keep repenting, and and essentially repentance is simply saying, God, you are God and I am not. And the more that we could do that in our lives, with our finances, with our careers, with our friendships, with our relationships, whatever it is, the more we give space for God to operate. The ascension is the beginning of being sent, but we are dependent on God the presence of Jesus. That's what it means for us to be a church. To be a church is to be sent freely in the authority of Jesus, to live authentically in the humanity of Jesus, to be sent for the mission of Jesus and to be dependent on the presence of Jesus. And as Acts continues, Acts chapter one continues, their the first thing they do is they appoint leaders in preparation for what's going to happen. And it's no surprise to me that what God is up to in this church is that he is gathering people prepared for what the mission is that he's called us to. So, so that's why we have Lizzie joining us as a curate at the end of this month. And Emily's just joined us as our, our worship leader here at the church. And Colin will be joining us very shortly. That's the staff side of things. But there are many of you who have joined in the last few months because I believe there is a purpose and a mission at work for us to be involved with. And it's really exciting. And so the end of Acts chapter 1 is them appointing leaders so that they could cope with what was to happen next. And what happens next? Revival breaks out and daily many were added to their number. Leaders matter. People to take a stand matter. Each of you matter. Matter. It's not for the professionals or for the staff team or for the clergy. Every one of us matters if we're going to embrace that which God has called us to as a church. To be those kind of people. But we need that dependence on the Spirit of God. The ascension changed everything. Because no longer could the disciples wait for Jesus to do it himself. They knew it was in their hands, empowered by the Spirit. And that's what should shape us as individuals and as a church. So why don't we just take a few moments just to wait on the Spirit of God and see what he wants to do. Let's stand together.